I'm just picturing some of the comics that are going to be in this book, like big vulvas on vellum. Velva, vellum. Vulvas on vellum. Yeah. I like it. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. So we're back in the Fruitopia loft, and it's a beautiful sunny day in Oakland, and I'm sitting here with Allison Moon. She's an author. She wrote the Lunatic Fringe book, which is all about lesbian werewolves. <laughs> And you have a new book that you're working on. That's true. I'm working on a new sex ed book. It's a combination of fiction and nonfiction, all about lesbian sex. So she described it a little bit to me, and it's almost like a romance novel meets a how-to sex book. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us the premise about this road trip. So the narrative follows two ex-girlfriends as they drive from Vancouver to San Diego along Highway 101. And on the way, they get into a series of sexy adventures with various partners. And those <laughs> erotic scenes that I write will illustrate the topic that we're going to talk about in depth in the rest of the chapter. So, for instance, at one point, Jamie, one of the characters, has a hot you know, little make-out scene outside of a club with a girl and they have hand sex and so that's the introduction story to a whole chapter about how to use your hands on a vulva and why do you make the distinction between vulva and pussy or vagina or whatever a lot of people call it i have no qualms about how people want to refer to their genitals i think that as an educator it's important for me to use the quote-unquote correct term um, but I definitely use pussy throughout the book I'll use cunt <laughs> I'll use all of the delicious terms that we can use for various parts but I think vulva is a really great word because a lot of people don't use it they think that the they think that the female version of a penis is a vagina right. and the vagina is only the hole it's only the canal the inside mm -hmm. where the vulva encompasses the clitoris and the labia majora the labia minora all the good juicy parts that you want to involve in sex you don't just want to treat the vagina as it's a thing you want to have, you want to be able to give pleasure to the whole area. Right, because a lot of times I think people kind of skip everything for just stick it in the hole and then you're not really getting all of the wonderful nerve, you know, sensation, all the nerves that are in someone's vulva and clitoris and a lot of people don't even know how big the clitoris is. It's true. The clitoris is, has been a mystery for many people for a very long time. And we're, we're really understanding now, I think only for perhaps like 20 years, how deep it goes and it, how big the organ is. And that obviously the what most people consider the clitoris is only the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more underneath. And it's the kind of stimulation that you want to do to a clitoris it involves a lot of pressure and it involves a lot of integrating, stroking the labia and the mound and all these wonderful parts that, again, get kind of ignored when you're playing and missed. with somebody. And you're missed. just missing them. You're just not warming them up and, and hitting it because mm -hmm. the clitoris is actually, I mean, how big is it? How deep does it go? Well, it's, I mean, what's cool is that it, it goes deep. I don't know, like inch for inch, but it basically. Uh, it, I've heard it goes all the way to the spine. Oh, yeah, totally. It does, mm -hmm. actually. So what happens is that it, it forks like a wishbone. Mm -hmm. So you see, the obviously, the glands of the clitoris, which is what we can recognize from the outside, goes straight through into the pelvis and then it branches off into two pieces like a wishbone. Bone. And then there are two lobes that go down into the labia so that when 
when a person gets engorged and excited, what happens is the clitoris kind of, it puffs up and that's what makes the labia kind of get puffy when you're really turned on. And then the further forks that look like a wishbone, they go back and around the vagina and then they actually do tie into the spine. So it's a lot of juiciness there and it's considered all one organ for a long time. It was considered a lot of different parts, but we're realizing that's actually all part of the clitoris. So Girl Sex 101, it's about lesbian sex in some ways, but you said that this book is also for everyone. Well, I think like the, the 101 aspect means I'm introducing a lot of topics that have to do with the way that girls have sex with each other. And obviously not all girls are the same thing. And I think that, you know, the, the, even the word girl these days is a very limiting term considering how diverse the community is becoming around transgender folks and around like different identities. And different kinds of women out there. And different kinds of women, exactly. So what's really nice is that, um, you know, the girl thing kind of encompasses a lot of different folks. And so we've got sex educators who are going to be part of the book who are definitely not girl identified. We've got transgender men we've got cis men we've got transgender women let's go back what does cis mean cis is considered kind of quote-unquote the opposite of trans it basically means that on the same side as as trans means across cis means on the same so So same gendered people so yeah the people that were born a man and then choose to be a man in their life right the idea of that you're the your chosen gender and your assigned gender are somewhat they match up enough Right. And it's just nicer than saying normal. Right. Well, because exactly. you're saying this judgment about not being normal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So I identify as cis um, and, uh, you know, a lot of folks do. But it's just a nice way to acknowledge that it's not everybody's just. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and it's also saying, you know, gender is a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, I do choose to be a female gendered person and I was born into a female body. But mm-hmm. that doesn't always have to be my choice. Mm. You know, gender expression is a choice. I don't necessarily know if gender is a choice. I think for some of us it is. I think for some people orientation is a choice. It's hard to talk about that because it's so politicized. But yeah, I think that a lot of people choose the way they present themselves to the world. And for some people, that's in more alignment with what society says. Um, I think that if we're talking about just gender in general, like I think that a lot, very few people are truly cis. I think that for, again, me as a queer woman, I sleep with women and I am a woman. That's actually kind of a not very cis normative kind of thing, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'm not very feminine. I'm kind of soft butch. And that's not considered very cis. But at the same time, like, I don't also feel the need to go to extremes to alter the way I appear in the world in order to fit a gender expression that I want to be perceived as. So, I, you know, I'm cis enough. <laughs> I'm cis enough for my own purposes. But, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly I just thought of sissy. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. My partner <laughs> wants to have a shirt that says sissy spelled with a C-I-S. C-I-S-S-Y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Wouldn't that just bring a whole new level of querying, to the, <laughs> you know, the query of gender and, you know, what does it mean to say, okay, this person is a, and there's also like sissy play and all sorts of things. Totally. You can have like a little, now I'm just thinking of the, the rubber outfit that we could make. <laughs> Totally. Beyond the t-shirts. <laughs> so you have a Kickstarter coming up, mm-hmm. and that's culminating on the 18th of October. Yeah, the Kickstarter right now is raising funds so I can pay all of the various educators involved in Girls X 101. Because I'm writing the bulk of the book, but I also have 15 what I call scenic viewpoints, because it's a road trip book, of other educators who are offering their own takes on certain topics. And so I've got these amazing educators. I've got Tristan Taramino and Ducky Doolittle and Carol Queen and Nina Hartley and Ignacia Rivera and Jesus. 
Grizz Lee. I mean, it's just Ooh. a long list of amazing sex educators. Stars. Sex stars. Yeah, it's really great. So I'm paying all of them for their, their for their work. I'm also, um, the, it's not just a road, Girl Sex 101 isn't just a road trip sex ed book it's also a little bit of a comic book so i mean there's a lot of drawings there's a lot of illustrations that Ooh, go into it illustrations are important they are important <laughs> especially when dealing with sex but so it's really totally. funny so katie diamond who's the founder of salacious magazine which is a comic porn zine is going to be doing all the drawings and so i'm paying her for all of her time and effort because she's going to be really helping the design of the book so all of that combined is what we're raising money for for the kickstarter and uh, we've met our goal but we're continuing to raise funds on, through october 19th specifically so that we can print more free copies give copies away to nonprofits, and um, hopefully if we hit our $20,000 goal, I will guarantee that Girl Sex 201 will happen, which will offer some more advanced techniques like kink, open relationships, stuff like that. Right. So what are some of the techniques that you're talking about in Girl Sex 101? I mean, I'm sure you're talking about vulva stimulation mm -hmm. and... We talk a lot about just understanding vulvas. We also talk about uh, consent and how to negotiate consent. Uh, Reed Mihalko is doing a section on his Safer Sex Elevator speech, so actually how to have the, the Safer Sex conversation. Also, like, how to integrate strap-ons into your sex, how to how to read labels on lube so you know if you've got body-safe lube or not. Um, there's a lot there's of... some lube that's not body-safe? There are some lubes that are not very body-safe, it's true. At least not vul very vulva-safe. I mean, glycerin, obviously, is a lube that's very common. But right, but it could give you a big yeast infection. Yeah, which is not so great. So, no. yeah, no, there's a lot of... And people who are sensitive to parabens, and a lot of them have... A lot of lubes have parabens in them. So it's really, you know, important to understand your, your lubricant. And, uh, you know, if you use silicone lube, understanding that you shouldn't use it with silicone toys. Because it'll become a big, gloopy mess. Exactly. P.S. Gross. All yeah. the silicone from the lube sticks to the silicone toy forever. It's true. <laughs> exactly. That's the sound that it makes when it does it. When you bring it out. Yeah, and you're like, and you present it to your partner. They make that sound too. Exactly. Get that away from me. <laughs> so how do you know when you're standing in the lube store what kind of lube to get? If you can, I recommend going to a feminist sex positive store. Oh, I wish those were all over the country. I, but luckily, they are all, all over the, the world. country because we have the internet. And right. so many of these places, these storefronts, if you're not in Minneapolis or Portland or San Francisco, you can go online and these stores often sell their own stuff. And you can also call them up. Uh, in Minneapolis, for instance, the Smitten Kitten has a body safe commitment. So they don't sell anything that isn't safe for bodies. And so if you're really curious or if you even have allergies, you might want to find out by researching. There's a great lube that I really enjoyed that um, it's, it's based on kiwi fruit. And I love it. It tastes delicious. But a friend of mine didn't realize that she was allergic to kiwi fruit until she tried the oh, lube. No. So, oh, and you get a rash on mm -hmm. your spot. Exactly. Right and so, before you don't really want one. It's Aww. not the best time to be doing that. So for, for folks who have any sort of food allergies, you if you're going for the, the organic lubes, which are really a great choice, mm -hmm. you still want to know what they're derived from. Right. Because there are different kinds of lubricants that are used that are sometimes perfectly fine for you. Or if you have a food allergy, you might want to say like, oh, you know, I can't have coconuts. So is there any coconut oil in this, for instance, right. or whatnot? Or seaweed or, or seaweed or whatnot right so it's really helpful to have a person that you can call or a website that you can go to trust that you can look at everything because again like if you just go to the pharmacy you'll be able to find a lubricant but those lubricants tend not to be formulated specifically for you know vaginal sex in mind sometimes they're just designed for like ky jelly is designed to lubricate surgical instruments 
and then they created a line of lubricants from there. Some of them have evolved to be very, very friendly and body safe. KY has done a good job. A lot of the, the larger lube companies have been trying to expand. But again, you might want to have, they, there's a long list of ingredients on a lot of these things. So you want to be able to learn how to read them. So Girls X 101, we actually have a whole section of how to read a label on a lube and figure out if it's good for you or not. Well, I have a lot of questions about warming lube because it seems like that something is going to create a little bit of a burning sensation. doesn't seem like something you should be rubbing on your genitals, but some people really like it. Sure. Some people like menthol, which is cooling. Some people like cinnamon, which is warming. Some people like certain flavored lubes, which is fine, again, unless uh, unless you're going to like not know if there's sugar in them, right? And sugar in vaginas are not, not friends. friends. Uh, so the understanding that those things are really important for you. Um, sometimes there are some numbing lubes on the market which are really bad, uh, specifically because that's not something you want to be not aware of. You want to pay attention to the oh, feelings. Oh, because you could be having more unsafe sex because you're not sensitive to what you're feeling. Right. Numbing you lube You could be is, ripping yeah. something down there. Exactly. Oh, yeah. that's bad. And that's something numbing lubes are often kind of marketed for anal sex. Ah, that's a terrible idea. You want to be even more conscious of what yeah. you're doing with the anus because you could give yourself a... And you could actually die from an anal tear. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you probably won't go there because you're not having sex with a horse, <laughs> th which is a good idea. But because it's also not really consensual, in my opinion. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, any kind of... I mean, anal sex is not only is it a higher risk sex in terms of like pain and pleasure, but also transmission of sexual diseases. Yeah, anal sex, it, you want to go slow, and you want to be aware of what's happening, especially if you're new to it. It's like a black belt sexual technique. You know, you want to have extra consciousness and awareness around it. Yeah, you want to be, be mindful. And I think that any sort of penetration, you want to be mindful because bodies are designed to accommodate things, but at the same time, you want to be cogent when you're learning to experience something like that. And you want to make sure that you're feeling what's going on yeah, in your you body. Yeah, you want to feel it. I mean, and isn't the point of sex to feel it? I, would, I think so. Yeah, no kidding. How fun. So as these two women are going on this journey, tell us a little bit about like what's happening for the two of them. I mean, of course, I'm thinking lots of breakup sex, which is kind of fun. <laughs> so they're old girlfriends, old ex-girlfriends, and uh, they are driving down uh, the 101, which is in to get the, sorry. <laughs> um, so they're driving down the 101 together, these two ex-girlfriends. And there is a lot of, there's a little bit of lesbian drama. I'm going to be honest about that. There's, there's a lot of having sex. A little sex, bit of narrative. A little bit of narrative, <laughs> low, a little drama. But they're, um, the, the women are having sex with a lot of other people. And there might be some jealousy happening. Um, and there's occasional fighting. But it's the kind of classic like road trip you know, energy of like sharing a space with somebody in an intense way for a number of days. Right. And sometimes you're into it and sometimes you're like, ah, oh, who is this person? Pass the chips. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sleeping in the back tonight. Right. Yeah. So how, how long do you think that it's going to take you to finish the book? Well, I'm hoping to have the book out by this time next year, so autumn of 2014. Um, that might be overly ambitious, and we'll find out when we get there. But right now, most of the uh, the sex ed stuff is written already. I'm just working on uh, collaborating with my, my other sex educators who are doing the scenic viewpoints to, uh, to work with them to get their content. And then the narrative will probably be one of the last things to be completed because I, as a fiction writer, care a lot about the editing and the careful crafting of a good 
arc. So I'll be doing that as well. Hopefully everything will be set to have it out by that time, but we might we might push it a little bit farther too. And another thing that Alison Moon does is she is a consultant for people who want to learn how to publish their own books. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like if you've ever dreamed of writing a book, but you're not sure if you want to find a big publisher or if a big publisher would like your work, there's this new way of doing it where it's all DIY. And you actually find that it's a much better way to do it, especially because you get to keep all of the profits from selling your book. Yeah, it's not for everybody, but it is a really wonderful tool. Self-publishing can be really, really fruitful for people who have the wherewithal to actually project manage a book. I self-published my first two novels, and I'm very happy with that, that choice. Um, and I'm self-publishing Girl Sex 101 under the same imprint as well, uh, specifically because it is a large, ambitious project with a lot of moving parts, and it's got a, a bigger budget than a lot of things. And m maybe a traditional publisher might be interested in it, but I also am happy with I've done this before. I like to have the creative control. So I, def I do t talk to a lot of different authors who really aren't interested in going the traditional route for whatever their reasons are. And I can help sometimes talk to people about figuring out whether or not traditional publishing or self-publishing is the right choice for them. And then if they decide to self-publish, then I often help them uh, on that path of figuring out how to outsource what you need to outsource, how to develop what you need to develop in your own skill sets in order to make it happen. But um, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I love self-publishing. I love the control it offers. And I love how it's enabling different voices to be represented. Because, you know, as traditional publishing is the, the business model shifts, there's a lot of choices that they're making around not honoring certain voices because it's of their bottom lines. And I want to make sure that I think that self-publishing is an opportunity for everybody to make sure that their voice is out there. And I, I'm very passionate about help enabling people to have their voices out there. You can learn more about Girl Sex 101. And do you have a website for publishing, self-publishing as well? Well, people can find me at talesofthepack.com. So if you're interested in me specifically. That's her lesbian werewolf book. That is my lesbian oh. werewolf series, yes. <laughs> so feel free to find me there. If you have any questions about publishing, that's where you can find me. Moon at talesofthepack.com is my email address. If you're interested in Girl Sex 101, we've got girlsex101.com, which really just leads you to the Kickstarter right now. Everything is until October 19th is about the Kickstarter. So um, I encourage people to go learn about the book at Kickstarter uh, and back the book there and then you'll be the first person or the first uh, among the first people to get the book when the book is out. Is that one of your prizes? Well the books I mean the books will go to the backers first before they're even available for sale uh, so everybody who donates at the $25 level or higher will get a paperback copy of the book and then there are also additional backer rewards so people can hire me for coaching people can get original artwork that will be in the book uh, on the vellum framed mm. um, and so there's a lot of different kinds of reward levels you can get a custom story by me or a custom drawing by Katie Diamond uh, lots of different cool things for people who are passionate about backing this book neat yeah. I'm just picturing some of the comics that are going to be in this book like big vulvas on vellum Velva, Velva. <laughs> Velva. <laughs> on Vellum. Yeah. I like it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. You can subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically. Or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com. <gasps>